And that's what I want to talk to you about today is prayer. Now, in a song like Living on a Prayer and a subject of prayer, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because the Bible is replete with prayer. It, from cover to cover, it breathes prayer. And so there's so much to choose from that I could talk to you about, but on the same token, it's kind of hard to decide what I should talk about. But I have a message for you today that I think is going to help so many of you, uh, regardless of whether you feel like you are a prayer champion or whether you have never prayed a day before in your life. And, you know, it's, a, it's appropriate that the song is called Living on a Prayer because prayer is often referred to as the lifeblood of our relationship with God. So I want to get right into our scripture because I've talked a lot already. I want to jump into it, and then I'm going to give you the context uh, after I read it through. So for those of you with your Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 10 is where we're going to look. And if you didn't bring your Bible, we'll put the words on the screen so everybody can follow along together. Joshua 10, starting in verse 7, says this. So Joshua marched out of Gilgal with his whole army. His best fighting men were with him. And the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of those armies. I will allow you to defeat them. None of them will be able to defeat you. And Joshua and his army marched all night to Gibeon, so it was a complete surprise when he attacked them. The Lord caused those armies to be very confused when Israel attacked. So Israel defeated them and won a great victory, and Israel chased the enemy of Gibeon along the road, going up to Beth Horon. And when they chased the enemy down the road from Beth Horon to Azekah, while they were chasing the enemy, the Lord caused large hailstones to fall from the sky. And many of the enemy were killed by these large hailstones, and more men were killed by the hailstones than by the swords of the soldiers of Israel. And up until this point, if you're following along, you might think, like, wow, this is just another battle in the Bible. But it's this next verse I'm about to read that I want to get your attention on. Because this is like, even if you grew up a church person, you maybe have never heard this passage preached before. And maybe it's one of the most underrated or underlooked uh, at passages on prayer. But in verse 12, it says, On that day the Lord gave the victory to Israel against the Amorites. And Joshua stood before all the Israelites and said to the Lord, Sun, stop over Gibeon, and moon, stand still over the valley of Ajalon. And in the middle of this epic battle, God summarizes what happens just to make sure we don't miss it. He says, so the sun did not move and the moon stopped until the people defeated their enemies. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. It did not move for a full day. That had never happened before and has never happened again. And that was the day the Lord obeyed a man. The Lord was really fighting for Israel. That's a powerful prayer. Would you agree? And I don't know, I'm curious, even just thinking about this subject, you know, if you could be honest in church, and I recognize most of us are anything but honest in church, but if you could be honest in church, how many of you would admit that your prayer life, it could use a little work? It, it could use just a little help. I, this isn't like a question like, are you a Christian or not a Christian? I'm saying you are a follower of Jesus or wherever you're at on the spectrum, you know your prayer life could be better. Got to see your hands. Okay, those of you without your hands up, you are liars, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying for myself, uh, for myself, I know my prayer life could use a little work. Like, it, it could use a little bit. In fact, th there's been plenty of times where 
I have felt very pitiful in my prayer life. I felt like I wasn't doing it right, not doing it enough. I, I could do better. It just didn't feel like it should feel. And as we talk about prayer, I was trying to put myself in the minds of those of you in this room because we all come from different perspectives and backgrounds. And there might be some of you where even just the subject of prayer, me bringing it up, all of a sudden what you feel is convicted because you know that you don't do it enough. And then some of you, maybe you don't feel convicted. What you feel is excited. Excited because you want to pray more, but you really, you're not sure how, not sure the right way to do it. Nobody's ever showed you, so you'd like to learn. Some of you, maybe it's not that you're convicted or excited, you're intimidated. Because the thought of it can actually seem overwhelming. Am I really supposed to take my small issues of life to the God of this world? I mean, there's enough stuff going on in the world. Do I really need to bother him with everything that I'm dealing with? Is that even appropriate? But wherever you're at on the spectrum, even, even those of you who are satisfied with your prayer life, and I know I was picking on you a little bit, but those of you who... This is natural for you. You're, you're the ones that the rest of us hate because it just seems so easy that you can pray. But if that's you, if you would just say, you know, there's even some areas where I think I could grow in prayer, where I believe God has more for me that I don't have it all figured out. Even this message today is going to help you. It's going to help you. Because what I'm going to show you, wherever you're at on the spectrum, whether you have never prayed a day before in your life, or you feel as passionate about prayer as you do anything, you're, we're going to take our prayers to another level today. And we're going to do it through a very simple foundational understanding on prayer by looking at this story. Now, I looked up a little bit of the history of this song. I always like whenever I'm doing these messages to kind of get in the mind of the writers to discover what was it that prompted this song? How did this idea originate? And what I learned about Bon Jovi is when this song was being written, they wanted to make a statement about a dire situation. That was their expression for living on a prayer. It's a dire situation, and, and the story of the song kind of expresses that. And that's exactly what's happening in Joshua chapter 10. In fact, I don't know, have you ever found yourself in this situation where you know that you got yourself into a mess? It was your own doing, your own fault, but you know you still needed God to help you out of it anyway. Like, it, it wasn't circumstances. It was you. You made a stupid decision. But you're like, God, please help me. That's what's going on when Joshua is praying. Let me give you a little context because if you don't understand the context of this prayer, the miracle is not as meaningful. You, you, you see, Joshua is not new to the things of God. He's seen God move on his behalf before nation of Israel, of course, was delivered out of Egypt, out of Egyptian bondage, out of slavery. God worked mighty works when that happened. Of course, while they were wandering in the wilderness, they'd seen God provide in miraculous ways. You know, God parted the Red Sea. God provided for them in the wilderness with manna from heaven. Their clothes didn't wear out. God's presence was made known as a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. There were all these amazing things that they saw God do. Not just that, in the book of Joshua, this is the third and most significant miracle. There's two other miracles that happened before this. When, when they go into the promised land, the first way they get in there is the Jordan River parts, not the Red Sea, the Jordan River. It's a different miracle. And the water stands up on end and they cross on dry ground. But once they get into the promised land, 
the, the, the land that God had given them was not governed by any one governing authority, but there were all these different city, states, nations that were surrounding the area that stood between the Israelites and the land that God had given them. Well, they were not too keen on another nation coming in to possess a land that they saw as theirs for the taking. So when Israel comes in, all these nations stand in their way, and they're not so happy about Israel coming in. And the first one you probably heard about was Jericho. Jericho, this city with big walls, and they, they would march around it, pray it, and, and God worked this amazing miracle. The walls fell down. You probably know that story. Well, by the time you get to Joshua chapter 9, Israel's already got a rep. They've got a reputation that you do not want to mess with Israel because God is on their side. God is fighting for them. Enter the Gibeonites. You can read about this in Joshua chapter 9. These nations did not want to have to face Israel. So this one nation gets this idea, the Gibeonites. They said, what if we trick them? What if we make a treaty with them, an agreement with them, a covenant with them, that now they'll have to defend us? We'll, we'll trick them. You can read the story for yourself. But they come in, they deceive Israel. And Israel, they make a covenant with this other nation. They thought they were far away. Well, Israel was not supposed to make a covenant with anyone but God. They make this agreement, and all because of this decision that Joshua never should have made, he's fighting a battle he should have never had to fight. Because these other nations, they know they're not going to attack Israel because God's fighting for them. So what they're going to do is attack the Gibeonites and make a statement to Israel. That's where we pick up the story with Joshua. Joshua 10, verse 7 he marches all night to get to Gibeon to fight a battle and defend a nation that God never intended him to defend. But even in the middle of a mistake, God can work a miracle. Aren't you glad for that? Has God ever turned your mistakes into a miracle? Even in the middle of his own mess, God turned it around and worked a miracle. And that's what I love about this prayer because it gives us a new paradigm with which to pray. And if we're honest, most of us need a new way to pray. Most of us, the way we've been praying has been ineffective, has not been working, it's been too routine. And I realized early on that I can say some pretty dumb prayers. I'm not going to ask if you have or you do, but I just know that I have. And within this story, we're going to see some keys to living on a prayer. And here's the first one, is to pray your faith, not your fear. Pray your faith, not your fear. You know, I gotta believe that when Joshua said these words, <laughs> this, this prayer, sun stop, moon stall, I, I'm trying to put myself in Joshua's shoes. Like, I gotta believe as soon as he said it, he was like, what did I just say? Like, my career is over as a leader. Because you say something like this, it's either going to work and people look at you like a hero, or it is going to fail miserably and everybody's going to know that you're crazy. And in this moment, he had to be thinking, what am I doing? And don't for a minute think that fear was not a factor in this story. Because in verse 8, God said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them. Can I tell you, God wouldn't say, don't be afraid of them, 
if fear was not a factor, if fear was not a temptation. And, and I'm bringing this up because I said this last week, and I want to expand on this, but most of the time, we don't really pray. A lot of times what we do is we worry about stuff, and we call it prayer, but we don't really pray. And, and I want to help you understand that when you pray your fear, you're not being effective. What, what am I trying to say? I'll illustrate it to you this way. I think lots of times we pray out of fear, not out of faith. So like every night when I tuck my kids in, I pray for them. One of the prayers I pray like over my daughter Pippa, I tuck her in and I pray for her and I say things like, God, you know, use her in her generation. Let her be a leader, help her to develop all the things you have for her. I'll say, you know, God, protect her, watch over her. I want you to understand, I'm not praying God protect her, watch over her because I'm fearful about the future. I'm praying God protect her and watch over her because it's a promise that God has made. There's a difference. Sometimes we pray because we're worried about what we see rather than pray because we're trusting what God has said. So like if I'm praying, God, I need you to provide for this building. This is a big building. It's a big budget. We've got a lot of needs, a lot of resources. I'm not praying because I'm fearful that we're not gonna have enough. I'm praying because God said, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. You see the difference? Don't pray out of fear, pray your faith. It's the prayer of faith that saves you. It's the prayer of faith that moves mountains. It's the prayer of faith that delivers you. Now understand, fear does not disqualify you from receiving a miracle from God, but it's faith that sets you up to receive what only God can give. And what I like about this miracle is it reminds me <laughs> that the things that seem impossible to me aren't even remotely difficult to God. It's an easy thing for God to move in your behalf. It's an easy thing for God to work. It's an easy thing for God to deliver you. That's a prayer of faith. What's a prayer of faith? A prayer of faith is a bold prayer. It's a big prayer. I don't know about you, but like the, a, a prayer that says sun stop, moon stall, that seems like a pretty big prayer to me. Like that's not generally on my list of prayer requests that I get or I go over at night. That's, that's not something that I usually, may, maybe you do. I'll give the mic to you. You can come preach to us about prayer, but that's not like on my list. But <laughs> it's not the way I approach God. I'm not telling you that your prayers need to be foolish. I'm just saying when you pray, let them be faith-filled. The truth is, most of the prayers that we pray are not big enough to evoke any kind of emotion from God. We pray cute little prayers. We, we pray safe little prayers. We pray sanitized little prayers. We pray things like, God, just be with me today. Look, if you pray that I'm not picking on you, I understand what you're saying. But let's think about this for a minute. If you pray that prayer, God, just, just be with me. I think I was like, yes, they asked me to be with them. I get to be with them today. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you've placed your faith in Christ, God's not only with you, he's in you. Whether you feel him or not, whether you sense him or not, whether you know it or not, if your faith is in Jesus, he says, I, I will come be in you. He's in you. 
So the one I grew up with that we used to hear a lot is we'll say a prayer and we'll end it like, God, if it's your will. Now, again, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not even saying that that's always bad. Like, I think it's good to recognize, God, I want my desires to be aligned with your desires. I know sometimes they're not, and I want my heart to be aligned with your heart. I get it. But I don't think that's really what we mean when we pray that. I think lots of times what we mean is, God, I'm not really sure what you want, and so I'm going to let you off the hook with this one, like if it's not something you want. God doesn't need your permission. If it's not his will, it's not going to happen. You think God is like, man, I'm so glad they put that little if it's not your will in there because I didn't want to do this one. But since they said it, I don't have to do it now. If it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. But God does tell us to pray that his will will be done. So there's this element where we should pray that God's will will be done. But when I'm just talking about praying your faith, how should you pray? When I'm telling you pray your faith, not your fear, this is what I'm saying. Pray something that is big enough to blame God for. Pray something that's big enough to blame God for. When is the last time God did something in your life that was undoubtedly, unmistakably him? When's the last time God showed up in your life that it left no doubt to you or anybody else around that he was involved in the situation. I want to challenge you with something. Could it be that if God has not showed up in your life in a miraculous way, that it's because you've never asked him for the miraculous? I just want to challenge you <laughs> to, to pray some big, bold prayers, to pray out of faith, not I want to pray the kind of prayers that make people who are listening in or around me think, you know what, that had to be God because I know him. And there's no way he could have done that on his own. That had to be God. I want to pray the kind of prayers for our church that make people recognize, you know what, there is no way that could have happened without God being involved. Not because of skill, not because of strategy, not because of some kind of scheme. No, it had to be God. That's what this prayer represents to me. It's symbolic of all the impossible things in our life. You're going through something that seems impossible. You got a relationship you want God to restore. He makes the sun stop. Don't tell me that he can't restore that relationship. You've got something that happened in your life. You made a mistake. It cost you time. It cost you money. It cost you opportunity. You think it's long gone. The best is behind you. That's not the case. God can restore time. He can multiply things back to you. He made the moon stall. Are you kidding me? You got a dream in your heart that it would glorify God if it came to pass, but it seems impossible to you. Don't tell me God can't do it. He can work miracles. He fights your battles for you. And so we see in this text, that's what it means to pray by faith. A faith-filled prayer is a powerful prayer. That's a prayer that you can live on. You don't need to pray perfectly, but you do need to pray powerfully. And that's the next thing I see in this encounter, is that your prayer doesn't need to be perfect, but it should be precise. It should be precise. Let me explain this, because I want to spend a little time on this one, because the skeptic in me has all sorts of questions about this prayer. 
I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't, but like when I read this, I'm thinking, how did this actually happen? Because Joshua prays that the sun would stop, and I wasn't there, I don't know, but if it happened like I imagine it happening, like the sun doesn't stop, I mean, the world would stop. Now, we don't really know, I mean, what happened. I looked it up, you know, see what smarter people, theologians think. There's a lot of different philosophical discussions on this. Some people think that it was a poetic prayer. So some people say that um, the way he prayed, it, it was actually an eclipse that took place. That's how some people look at it. Uh, so, some people say it really had less to do with the sun as we think about it and more about that he needed it to be dark because he was attacking them at night. So it wasn't the sun stopping over the sky. It was keeping it dark so he could attack them. So I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe if you know, you can send me a message and let me know and enlighten me. But here's what I do know. I'm not trying to mess up your theology. I'm not trying to get into the physics of this miracle. What I do understand, though, and what encourages me and what sticks out to me is that Joshua didn't even get his prayer right. Whatever happened, whatever it was that Joshua needed, I don't know what it was he needed. It wasn't the sun stopping like we would think the sun stopping, literally. And I bring it up because... Many times we think or we fail to pray a big prayer because it's like, well, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Like, is that even legal? Can I pray that? Like, is that is this the right words to say? We we don't pray something because it's like we don't we don't understand how it's gonna happen. Am I saying the right words? And I like this is maybe it's more for the church people, or maybe it's just more for me. But see, I like I grew up in church where there was like, you know seven different kinds of prayer and you know or, or like here's the four classifications of prayer or like you know here's the the five you know things you have to say when you pray i'm not down on any of that. that's great it's helpful that stuff is helpful to me anytime you can classify and organize something that's great but sometimes it can almost get to the point like man am i supposed to be praying like the prayer of supplication or the prayer of petition or the prayer of intercession i, I don't really know what i'm saying and and i'm hesitant to pray because i don't know if i got the right words or did i you know supposed to pray, you know, the Father or in Jesus' name or all these different ways. Joshua doesn't even get his prayer right. <laughs> whatever it was he needed, whatever it was he meant, God hears Joshua's heart in response to his faith. That's encouraging to me. And what we get is a historical account of a God who can do anything. So your prayer doesn't have to be perfect. You don't even have to use the right words. I've heard people cuss when they pray. I, I'm not saying you should. I'm not using that as a template. I'm just saying, I uh, like, uh, there's one time I led a group and I invited a, a number of people. They were new to following Jesus. I'm mean, brand new Christians and some weren't even Christians. But here's, you gotta understand, if you hang out with me, like I'm gonna challenge you, I'm gonna make you move out of your comfort zone. So just, you know, be careful about that if you want to hang out with me. But um, <laughs> we were in this group, and we just wrapped up the group, and I had asked one of the guys, new Christian, I'm not even sure if he's a Christian, I just said, hey, would you pray for us? Would you close out in prayer? And, you know, he, he said this prayer, and he was like, God, you know, help us have a blank good weekend. And, you know, I think God honored that. Like, I think really... <laughs> I, I think God was, sin, I, he was sincere. I think God, on, I'm not telling you, you should do that. It's not like a formula. But I'm just trying to say, 
that you don't have to pray perfect. Let, let me give you another verse. This is in Psalm 5. The psalmist says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry for help, for to you I pray. You see that? He says, God, listen to my words. Here's what my words are. Ugh, that's my prayer. Here's what I'm asking for. Help me, Jesus. Ugh. You know, God knows your heart. You can communicate with a sigh. You know, sometimes, like, I'll hear my wife, and she'll sigh. She's like, ugh, like, just sigh of frustration. Like, just because she is married to a man. Like, just because she's trying to raise four kids with me. Just a sigh. Frustrate. You know, there's other times that she can sigh. It is anything but frustration. Like, when I'm hugging her and stuff. And I'm just saying, forget that illustration. What I'm trying to say is that you can communicate to God more than you know. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> if you can say, whoa, you are halfway there. Now, it's cheesy, but you are going to remember it the next time you hear this song. If you can say, whoa, that is a prayer that you can live on. Just, whoa. Just, God, help me. Just, God, ugh. You don't have to pray perfectly. You don't have to use the right words, but you do have to pray specifically. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say you've got a need in your life. Let's say you need $532 to pay a bill and you don't have it. You need to ask God for $585 then. So I thought it was 532. No, you need to tithe on what God gives you first. So just ask him for the tithe with that. But you need to pray specifically. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. Pray specific. Don't just, God bless me, just favor, just help a little bit. If you can do anything, Jesus, you know, ask God for what you need. Ask God for what you need. Precision turns a pitiful prayer into a powerful prayer. But here's the last thing. Prayer isn't just asking. It's also acting. It's not just asking. It's, it's acting. What I love about this prayer is that Joshua, he didn't spend, you know, two hours praying. He didn't spend, like, days seeking God, waiting for an answer. And Joshua said what he needed to say, and then he got moving. And understand, like, there's times to seek God. There's times of fasting. We're going to do it in January, so just buckle up. There's times to minister to the Lord. There, there's times to sit in his presence. I am all for that. But what's interesting to me, when you look at most of the prayers that God answered in the Bible, most of them, most of the miracles where somebody prayed, you could send them in a text message. You, you could put it in a tweet. You don't have to pray long to pray effectively. But you do need to be obedient. And what I've noticed is that whenever you ask God for something, He's going to ask you for something. He's going to ask you to be obedient. They go hand in hand all the time. Prayer isn't just asking, it's also acting. God answered Joshua's prayer, however he did it, I don't know. But Joshua still had to defeat the army. God helped him fight the battle, but he still had to fight the battle for himself. 
God threw down hailstones, but the Israelites still had to use their swords. And sometimes what we want to do is divorce our part from God, God's part. Uh, in fact, let me just put it to you this way. Lots of times we're asking for God to move in our life. And I think that's a good prayer. God wants to move in your life. But what I've found is that if you don't move, God won't move. I'm not saying he can't. But if you don't move, God won't move. Why? Because he wants to see your obedience. He wants to see your faith. Not fear about what you see, but faith in what he said. In fact, I just want to show you all the different times Joshua had to make a move in this text. Verse 7 says, Joshua marched out of Gilgal with his whole army. This whole thing started because Joshua, this whole thing started with Joshua marching. I also think it should start in prayer. It started with Joshua marching. The next verse, verse 8, says, God said to Joshua, don't be afraid of those armies. I will allow you to defeat them. Not I'm going to defeat them for you. I'm going to allow you to defeat them. So don't be afraid of it. Verse 9, Joshua and his army marched all night. Man, if you're going to pray a prayer like this, you got to be willing to march all night. And whatever you ask God, just know he's going to ask obedience of you. Because then it says, verse 10, the Lord caused those armies to be confused when Israel attacked. Israel defeated them, won a great victory. Israel chased the enemy from Gibeon along the road, going up to Beth Horon. Then they chased the enemy down the road from Beth Horon to Azekah. And while they were chasing them, that's when God's power showed up and Joshua prayed. Here's the point. You got to pursue while you pray. Don't just act, be willing to, don't, ju don't just ask, be willing to act. If you're praying prayers, but not taking action, James, who wrote a book in the New Testament, he said, that's useless. It's useless if you're not going to act. Whatever you ask God, he's going to ask something of you. Because prayer isn't just asking, it's acting. It's asking in faith, it's acting in obedience. So I want to say a prayer for all of you, each of you here. But I also want to give you an opportunity to act on whatever it is that God would be dealing with you about. I'm sure in one of these things that I've said, whether it's praying your faith and not your fear, where maybe what the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about is to get your eyes off of what you see and get your mind on what God has said and begin to pray out of his promises and not out of your problems. Pray your fear. Or pray your faith, not your fear. Maybe it's the fact that you haven't prayed because you thought you had to have it perfect, you had to have it just right, and so you're afraid to say anything that would be out of line of God's will. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just pray specifically. Don't focus on getting it right. Focus on getting specific. God knows what you need even before you ask him. Even just a sigh. Get that, get that thing in your heart, what you're asking him for. But then you got to be willing to act if you're going to ask. You know, one of the things as we've been, um, I'll just tell you a personal story, as we've been raising money for our building renovation, all that kind of stuff, it's a big number. You guys know all of that. But I, uh, when I asked God, and I've been praying about it, I remember there was a specific number I was asking God for. So God, I really need you to bring this amount in because this is what we need to get our building done and all this kind of stuff. And in that prayer, God said to me, okay, 
And when I say God said to me, it's just this impression in my heart. He said, I want you to give this amount of money to these four other churches. They're church plants. A few of them were in town. A couple of them were others that had some building projects going on. And it's kind of like in that moment, it's like, God, this is kind of crazy. You know, like we've got our own stuff going on. Why do you want me to do this? But it's when you act in obedience.